Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. How are you? Good. <laughs> Good. Good. I got a little more energy this time. Good. And hello, sweet tea and TV. Oh, hi, sweeties. Pe- people. Why don't you call them sweeties? Can because, we just adopt that name? Because we've never said that we do that. Oh. <laughs> you guys are sweeties now. But can we at least explain what that means if you're going to do that? We can. Okay. So it's supposed it to be not like... self-explanatory? Well, I don't know. Not necessarily. Because then I got confused when... It doesn't matter. It's like because it's sweet tea, then the, you're the sweet teas. But when you say it real fast, it's like, oh, sweeties. Which is also Southern. <laughs> I feel like that has a lot of nuance. There's a lot of layers to that. Yeah. It's a very thought out nickname. Well, and also you, like, I think that listeners sometimes nickname themselves. Mm. So I want to be oh, very uh-oh. clear or Did I just make careful. a faux pas? Well, I want to be very careful that, like, we're not putting something on other people. Oh, could so. someone suggest that they'd love to be called the Sweeties so that we can call them the Sweeties? Or like if you have another name that you would prefer, right. of course we understand that. Yeah. Like, I might not use it, but you're like, welcome to share it. I mean, you know how I feel about things like being called Sal. <laughs> you love it. Not in the, hey, if your nickname or your name is Sal, I support you. Just I not stand you. by you. Yeah, but please don't call me Sal. <laughs> don't put your stuff on me. Yeah, don't put your name it's on like this name. Me being called Nikki C K I. It drives me crazy. Yeah. People are like, how's that spelled? C K I. And I'm like, no, that's not the right way to spell it. It is interesting because I do feel like sometimes uh, name spellings come with personalities. I think I think that's 100 percent true. Yeah. Yeah. Like Nikki with a Y. There's that's a totally different Nikki than me with an I. Selena with a C? I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't say Celine Dion, because there's no ugh at the end of the name. Right. So it's a different name. It's a different She's name. She's wonderful. <laughs> don't say Celine Dion, because that's not my name. <laughs> right. Well, I used, people did used to call me Celine Dion when I was younger. Oh. Yeah. Not because I have anything in the realm. That's just annoying. It has nothing to do with your name. Well, I mean, I am a French-Canadian singer. Right. And you are the greatest singer in the world. And and people do just love to hear me vocalize. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I digress. Anyways, if, you know, so we could we could use that name, but, you know, just want to make sure that people are comfortable with it. That's Fine. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the show this week. And Nikki's out. I'm done. I'm done. I can't call them sweeties. I'm leaving. I'm done with you. Well, what if I told you before we got get started that I did actually, um, we had a, a lingering question. Oh, what was the lingering question? Uh-oh. Remember the Peabody ducks? Yes. That we talked about? Okay. Just real quickly, in case anybody skipped the last episode or you're tuning in for the first time, the Peabody's a hotel, a very, very well-known, established classic hotel in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we covered that in unknown references for me, at least it was unknown for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have like the little, uh, cute ducks that march into and out of the lobby twice a day. Mm-hmm. This is something they've done for years and years and years. Okay. So when we recorded, you said it was hard to find out how many generations of ducks they've been through. Uh-huh. So I have an answer because I looked a little deeper into it. So I thought I had read this at the time, but I didn't want to be like on the show being like, well, one, seven, 45, you know, and doing all that. So mm-hmm. I went back and, um, okay. So the tradition starts in 1933. 
they're these Peabody ambassadors, okay? Which also, I feel like I also need to say, let's give these let's give these ducks some credits. There's one drake and four hens. Um, they're raised by a local farmer and a friend of the hotel, just so we get a little little understanding of who these ducks are. Okay. Um, each team lives in the hotel for only three months before they're retired from their Peabody duties. So these ducks aren't like. I think the implication we talked last time is they're like working there until pain of death. <laughs> and I want to be very clear that there's no animal cruelty going on. I'm glad you clarified that. So, so typically what happens after those three months is they're returned to the farm to live their days as wild ducks. And so they only are really living at the hotel for a very short time. So there's 83 years times four teams of ducks each year that's 332 different teams it would be let me tell you how seriously i took this it would be 89 years but you brought up that the hotel was closed the hotel was closed between 75 and 1981 therefore that's why we got to 83 years therefore that's why we got to four teams of ducks each year hello 332 teams of ducks whoa i'm gonna need to see your math on that well, you can see my math. I need you to show me your work. 83 times 4. Wow. That's like, speaking of layers, that's a lot of layers of rationalization and like processing. And I feel like I've earned myself a trip to go see these ducks. I know. At the very least, you should see them now after all that work. Well, and I also looked up like, almost at like a percentage to say, well, how much is three months of a duck's life? <laughs> Because for three months, I'm just saying, isn't a lot for us. But they live only five to ten years. So oh, really? That's like... That seem, I guess that tracks like a dog. That's like little, substantial. Yeah. So there you go. Peabody ducks. I wasn't prepared for you to circle back on something. Because I also had something to circle back on. Is it the Peabody ducks? It's not. Oh, okay. It's the right. Leave it to Beaver movie with oh. Eric Von Detten. I knew in episode two... You, I think you brought up mm-hmm. Leave It to Beaver, and I was like, wasn't there a movie about that? Kind of like the Brady Bunch movie that was remade in the 90s? Yep. There was. There was a Leave It to Beaver movie. I used to love it because I thought Wally was so attractive because Wally was Eric Von Detten. Okay. I feel like you're going to need to tell people. I don't think I need to tell people anything more than that. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to know who you are. Please DM us, everyone, and tell Nikki how. uh, I mean, no offense to Mr. I'm sorry, what's his name again? Von Detten. Mr. Von Detten. (laughs) Eric Von Detten. That while we loved him in Princess Diaries, that's who it is, right? Oh, was he in Princess Diaries? Because I remember Dear him from Heaven and Stars. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to give this update today. I'm sorry. I remember him from Brink on Disney, an original, a Disney Channel original movie where he played an inline skater uh, in the mid '90s, and he's gorgeous. Um, he looks like the kid that played Casper. Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa. He's a very Devin Sawa. He is very Devin Sawa. This is a very millennial discussion. If you're not a millennial, you will have to Google him and or Selena will have to share a picture of him on social media along with this episode. Devin Sawa was also, he was very much so the tiger beat yes. heartthrob for a while uh-huh. for, for, for w- women our age, but it, when we were girls. And so Eric Von Detten did not make it quite to that level, but... Yeah. He was really in the happen. Leave It to Beaver movie, which yeah. I really loved. Apparently, it did not do well. They had it's it weird. They had it <laughs> ready. They were ready for at least one sequel. They had the whole cast signed to come back for a sequel, but it performed so poorly they canceled the sequel, which makes me sad because I would Wait, have enjoyed it. Wait, who did he it. play? Wally. 
Okay, that makes brother. sense. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, this kid, um, I think so. Who he was in the Princess Diaries for people who are very interested, Mister. What's his name one more time? Eric Von Detton. Mister Von Detton. He played the high schooler who was kind of a jerk, or really a jerk. That Anne Hathaway's character is like in love with in that very high school way. And like is trying to get with towards the beginning of the movie before she becomes like a like a princess. I keep hitting the mic with my hat. I'm sorry about that. Yes, that would be Mr. Eric Von Denton. Yes, he was also in Toy Story. He played Sid, the oh. torturous kid. Yeah, he was Wally Cleaver in the '97 film Leave It to Beaver, and he was in '98 the lead character in the movie Brink. Well, there you go. Anywho, that was my. <laughs> My very important follow-up. No, that's good. That's good. I got one more thing that I want to talk about before we jump into the episode. Okay. I want to bring up something that's going to date the episode, but I think it's really important as Southerners. Okay? Okay. Okay. It is National Buttermilk Biscuit Day. Mm. It is May 14th. When you hear this, it will no longer be May 14th. But I just wanted to give a quick shout-out for biscuits and how much I love them. Biscuits everywhere. All biscuits. What's your favorite biscuit, Nikki? Ooh. Oh, it's a hard question. I know. Yikes. I, I think I told you, probably on one of our last episodes, Hardy's Biscuits. Okay. So we did good. talk about Hardy's Biscuits not that long ago. My very favorite biscuit in the whole world was my grandmother's biscuits. Which right. Is the which we also we... talked about. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Try to find it. It's mm. been... I said, I'm not going to give up. We'll I, see what I happens. I appreciate that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Red band flower. You know, some the thing that's really annoying about that is someone has it. Mm-hmm. Someone has that It's bag. in someone's recipe box or book or whatever. Yeah. I even, whoever bought them, I even tagged that company. Oh, To wow. see if you they did would. did all things. Yeah. But, Aww. you know, apparently they think they're post. They think mm. they're too big for us. Gosh darn. I, or whoever it is. I can't even. Pillsbury, maybe. Whoever I bought them. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, no, but, so, Hardee's, that's fine. But, like, like, how do you like your biscuit? Like, if you, you're only getting your biscuit one way. Like, do you want it just pure, just butter? Oh, oh, like, how do I want yeah, it made? That's what You I know mean. what? I've been eating them with honey more lately. Yeah. So good. I got that big giant jar of Georgia um, harvested honey from Costco, okay. and that's how I've been eating them. For a long time, it was um, butter melted on with um, strawberry jam is my other favorite. So the, of the two, I would pick either honey or strawberry jam. What I know. about strawberry and honey? Oh, you bl- you're blowing my mind. I haven't tried that. Oh, you got to. I haven't tried that. Yeah, I don't care. I like grape jelly just fine, but on a biscuit, I it has to be strawberry jam. It has a certain something. I also feel like just... On this note, Cracker Barrel and like any restaurant, really, I noticed it at Cracker Barrel. They are really stingy with the strawberry jam, and or it's the most popular flavor because oh. when you look in the little jam section, yeah. they have tons of grape, they have tons of apple butter, which I don't care for, but no strawberry jam. You don't care for apple butter. I mean, like if I'm picking between grape, strawberry, and apple butter, I'm gonna pick strawberry, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna go grape, and then I'll do apple butter. See, I'm gonna have three. Biscuits? One of each. (laughs) How do you like your biscuit? Uh, So, you know, I like them all the ways. Like, you can't, although I will say, like, sometimes there's some really cool places that I don't feel like we get enough of. Now, this is, I know we have Cali's here, and Cali's is great. I still haven't had Cali's. Well, so what I will say is, like, we, what we don't have is, like, a biscuit head, Mm -hmm. and we don't have, like, a Vicious Biscuits, which I want to, like, shout out both of them, which are amazing, because when you go in there, they have a jam and jelly bar. 
Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's something so special about that. Yeah. Like, because there's so many choices and you just get so excited and like, you can get all kinds of fantastic things and they do have like, um, you know, I almost just want to say where it's, it's almost teetering over into the ridiculous, but the kind of ridiculous you just have to try. They're like, they're like sure. okay, so it's a biscuit, but then we're going to put fried chicken on it. Then we're going to put some pimento cheese on top of that. Then we're going to crack an egg over it. And, and then we're going to put gravy on top of it. And I'm like, yes! And bacon, of course. Of course. Of course. But at the end of the day, the truth is, is I just want a regular biscuit just by itself. With some honey on top. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like some butter, but that's it. Like, really? I, I want one of those fantastic, ridiculous, mythical things I just described. Right. You know, that is like, you have it, but you can really only have a couple bites because you're right. like, this right. is too much, but it's also wonderful and everything I needed. And then I just need that simplistic, buttery, beautiful biscuit. I hear myself. Do you know, actually, uh, I... This may be anti-Southern to me. I actually think Pillsbury, like in the um, blue can, mm-hmm. those are actually really delicious biscuits. I the think... Southern home styles. Okay. Well, if we're going this route, I'm like, uh, we used to cover Designing Women. Now we're a biscuit podcast. So I, what I will say is that the Pillsbury frozen buttermilk biscuits mm-hmm. are hands down one of the very top pre-made biscuits that you can get. Mm-hmm. Next to that, Tom Wynn, if you ever hear this, this is Casey's uncle. You, hands down, make the best biscuits that I've ever had. Oh, that's a huge honor. They're so good. And he and his wife, Angela, um, Casey's aunt, um, who I love dearly. um, I love them both dearly. But uh, they made a video years ago that I'll have to show you where he dressed in just overalls like no shirt underneath oh no and she dressed up too and they did a video making the biscuits and then but like put on their thickest southern accents oh lord and and do a whole thing and they did it so one of their friends to teach one of their friends how to make biscuits but then um they wound up putting on youtube because they thought it was funny and it is hilarious (laughs) um and so that does live out there in the world so i'll have to show that to you sometime it also incidentally will teach you how to make the world's best biscuits. Oh, dang. Yeah, I need so. to see that. And then my last thing that I'll say, although I want you to say whatever else you want to say about biscuits, is that today I am wearing my son of a biscuit shirt, which is incidentally my favorite saying and also a t-shirt that I got from Vicious Biscuits. I've never heard of Vicious Biscuits. I've heard of the other one you said. We w- biscuit Head. Biscuit Head. Yeah, we had that in um, Asheville. Asheville. Yep. Look at I was going to say Charlotte. That wasn't right. Asheville. <laughs> I don't know much. <laughs> but, but I, I do know, know biscuit places. Yes. <laughs> we went when we went to, um, it's not actually in Charleston. I think it's in Charlottesville. Or there's definitely one in Charlottesville. But when we went to Charleston last year, there's one in that vicinity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, uh, and we've tagged them in some photos. And um, they're always very gracious and share it with their followers as well. I don't know. Anyways, anytime you find that symbiosis on Instagram, all I'm saying is it's nice. (laughs) Rough spot for you. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) And beyond that, we're a Southern podcast who's also covering Designing Women. So should we do that? We should. Okay. So this week we are on to season three, episode four. Yes. Getting married and eating dirt. That's the one. The women of Sugar Bakers are shocked when their eccentric friend Bernice becomes engaged to marry a man with a slight problem. He proposes to every woman he meets. This one aired on December 5th, 1988, 
we are calling it a little long on the drywall and a little short on studs. Hilarious. I love that, I love that so much. <laughs> it's written by LBT, directed by David Trainer. You ready? I'm ready. Any general reactions you want to share? Why couldn't LBT give Bernice this wedding? No. That was my first reaction. She let Suzanne find her financial footing gambling in a casino. And those are some slim odds. So could we not just bring these two kids together officially? Oh, yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter, but that was one thing that really kind of, I was just curious about. That's a good question. Yeah. I think... Are they afraid that she wouldn't be free enough to like... I was just about to say that. I don't know what's coming. Um, I mean, I know what's coming this season because I've previewed it. But like in future seasons, I still only tangentially sort of like abstractly know what's going to happen with characters. So I don't know what's going to happen with Bernice. Mm -hmm. But we don't want her tied down to a man because we need her free to do all the things we need eccentric Bernice to do. How anti-feminist of me. Feminist. I'm trying to get that word out. (laughs) Feminist. Sounds like some kind of... What do you mean? Anti-woman? Yeah. I didn't even mean for it to be that way. I just like... If that was going to be her happy moment... Yeah. And that's what's going to make her happy. Like, why couldn't the lady have it? But I don't care. As long as we get Bernice, that's all I care about. I think it feeds into my general reaction, which is just Bernice. Like, I want her... I want her free. Yeah. I want her ready to go. Free. I just want a hundred. Like, I like this You want a good time, gal? I liked this episode a lot. I just, uh, anything Bernice is just a hundred percent for me. My question okay. about the episode. <laughs> I'm confused about the plot. Okay. So does Ev forget that he proposes to these women? Uh-huh. Or does he just do it for kicks? Because in the end of the episode, he said, or like middle of the episode, he said he didn't know he was getting married. But mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, he seems to know this is a quote-unquote problem that he has. So which is it? Well, I think, it, like, if, you're, if you are truly a 10-second Tom, mm-hmm. you know, then I think it, it could be both. So, like, sometimes he remembers, but other times he forgets. It may not be the most locked-up plot. I think this is what we're, I feel like this is what we're both saying. Yeah. <laughs> so concerns. Yeah. But I just, like, I was going along with it. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then when he was like... When he came in with his friend and sort of acknowledged that this is a problem he has, I was like, wait a minute. I thought he was a 10-second Tom who forgot. Or, like, why didn't they bring back the guy with the Packard car that she mm. was kind of dating in the last season for, like, four, first two seconds? <laughs> they went on a picnic. AKA, or he was in love with her. Yeah. But, like, you get the same thing because he, he's yeah. like, I don't know, some people might call her a little off the beam. Yeah. You know? But, like, we just... I don't know. So I thought that was another way you could have done that. And then I think we already kind of know he he was like a little out there, just like Bernice is. We didn't have to bring in this new character. Not that I didn't like Vern. We'll get there. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. So I liked him know. better Vern? than the guy from last season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was his name Vern? I called him Ev just a second ago. Dang it. Yep, it's Ev. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he's a Vern. <laughs> Seems like a Vern. Uh, so okay. plots. Um, another thing that I had was, I think the episode put too much energy into the B plot, the eating dirt thing. Okay. And, and while it is frustrating for the media to treat Southerners condescendingly, and obviously we're a Southern podcast, that's something that we're looking to explore. I just also thought that Julia's reaction to the whole thing was kind of outsized. So I have um, a lot of thoughts on that. And actually that's this week's extra sugar is going to address this eating dirt thing. Um, And I can share a little bit more with that. I agree with you. It was a little over the top and spoiler alert. It actually is something people do 
in the South. Okay. But yeah, her reaction was a little over the top. And on that note, um, so when she talks to uh, his secretary, to that reporter's mm-hmm. secretary, um, she lists off some different foods that Southerners are known to eat. Yeah. She talks about grits, homemade biscuits and gravy, fried chicken, barbecue, cornbread, watermelon, fried pies. If you were to put that list in some sort of order for yourself of your favorite foods, what well, what rises to the top for you? Oh, biscuits? It's biscuits. It's biscuits. Mm-hmm. What would you put at the bottom? I'm sorry. Can you read the Grits, list one more time? Okay. Biscuits and gravy. Uh-huh. Fried chicken. Uh-huh. Barbecue. Uh-huh. Cornbread. Watermelon. And fried pies. I don't want you to hate me. Uh-oh. I think it's watermelon. Okay. Just out of How's that sad? whole list. How sad for you. <laughs> or... How good for, for you. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put watermelon at the top. That's so okay. funny that you're that, that like aware. And you think we're too much alike. <laughs> Look at the diversity we're bringing to this podcast that's right true. now. Good point. <laughs> diversity of food lists. So, yeah, that's a good point. This is why we make a good pair. It's the same reason Kyle and I are married. If I weren't married to Kyle, I'd be married to you because I am married to him so that I can eat the stuff he doesn't like. There you that's go. That's really what it's all about. That, that is everything that's about. Except that's a problem with Casey in, our relation, in my relationship. Oh, we really? Like everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty much. Should have chosen a pickier eater. <sighs> you know? Well, fried pies probably rise to the top for you. No, not really. They're way down on the bottom for me. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. The same. It's like, uh, but I think we actually talked about this too. In a previous Extra Sugar, we wound up talking about fried pies. I was talking about uh, Mercier's. Mercier. Mm-hmm. And so I, but I do like their pecan one. Mm. There's just no fruit in it. Right. And then I'm like, the I, feel, I, like I don't need anyone to... And, and I know some people are like, shut up, Selena. We just like fruit in our X dessert. But I, to me, it feels like if I eat fruit, I just want to eat fruit. If I eat dessert, I just want to eat dessert. So I, see that. I don't need, like, it doesn't make me feel better about myself to be like, oh, well, there were peaches in that cobbler. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want the cobbler. <laughs> the cob or the lure. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> Clearly, it's can't one of it them. be both? Yeah, but that's a good question. That's a, I like that question. It just struck me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other general reactions? I just have one more. Okay, it feels like we're recycling some old plots already. Oh dang! So, You're coming in hot today. <laughs> so this is not the first time we've seen Julia rage over a news article disparaging the South. Okay, we've done that at least once or twice. Probably the New York Times. Yes. Generally that. Yes. Nor is it the first time we've seen Suzanne suffer at the hands of premenstrual syndrome. Mm-hmm. So there was something about those and like the pairing of it. It just felt to me like we've been here before. Mm-hmm. And the story didn't even feel that different enough that I was like, eh. Hmm. So. It, which leads, we are just like, we're on it today. Because that leads me to my last general reaction. Okay. I want to have a conversation about PMS. Okay. And about using that as an explanation or an explainer for a woman's behavior. Mm-hmm. Where are we on that? Just is like, this society or in I, this room? In this room. <laughs> okay. I, know, I know where society is on it. I, it. It strikes me that this is one of those situations where um, I think in season one, there was an episode we were recording where you said something along the lines of like, you can't talk about my mama, but I can talk about my mama. And so this feels like a woman thing where yeah. like I could say like, hey, Selena. You may be PMSing this week because your emotions feel outsized. Mm-hmm. feels like maybe I could say that, but even that feels inappropriate. And so I was just kind of, I think I was a little ruffled when Mary Jo was like, just ignore her. She's PMSing. Mm-hmm. I think I was a little miffed. I was just curious 
how you felt, if anything. I think the first thing, I'm going to go and I'm going to share my gut reaction is that like, I'm a pro-choice kind of gal and I choose in a few situations, just saying, but I choose for people who experience PMS to do with it what they will. Mm -hmm. So if you want to use PMS to explain yourself in a certain situation, then I'm all for it. If you feel like that has nothing to do with what's going on with you in a given moment and you're just experiencing a human emotion and so bugger off, I'm okay with that too. And so people shouldn't put your... Like, I shouldn't say, hey, Selena, you're being kind of mean this week. I don't have any problem with a, someone who experiences PMS saying that to me. Yeah, okay. If you have a penis, please do not say that to me. Yes. Okay. So we're on the same page. Yeah. Okay. And so you weren't miffed at all when Mary Jo did that. I was a little, I was even a little miffed with Mary Jo doing it, but maybe because she's not my friend. Did it feel like they were trying to do a callback though? In talking oh. about these circular plots. Like, oh. we've been here, guys. That's what oh, it kind of felt like to me. Good point. That's a good point. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I took it. But okay. I, I understand what you're saying. I do also think, like, I, I think it would be degrees. Mm-hmm. So if, like, like, you and I are close, I've got zero problem. Or even if I did have a problem, I'd be like, you better watch it today. Mm-hmm. You know? And I would just be honest with you. I right. probably wouldn't say it like that, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Then there's the degree of, like, co-worker. Yes. So, like, okay. if just someone that going. also has PMS that works with us came and they were like, somebody's on their menzies. Yeah, I'd be pretty annoyed with that. Probably give them the middle finger for a few reasons. I would also be really shocked if someone did that. <laughs> I also just realized what you just said. Uh, you know how people are always saying that. It's just always. It does sound kind of Southern and 60s Southern. You're on your menses, your menstrual sackle. <laughs> so that's my feeling As you're saying it. that, thank you, for, thank you for addressing my question because it just was bothering me. As you were saying that, I was a little surprised that Bernice told Ev that Suzanne was on her, was experiencing PMS mm-hmm. because I do feel like that's a thing an older generation would not have talked about. Mm. She would have said something coded, like, Suzanne's experiencing some lady time trouble. But it was Bernice who said it? Uh-huh. Uh. And then the last thing I'll say on all of this is, <laughs> I would never presume that someone's grouchy because they're PMSing, because I routinely forget that's a thing that happens, even though it happens to me. I never know when my lady time is coming. We talk about that all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I have no clue what's going on until I've murdered someone and then I find out, oh, that's right. You're just (laughs) raging for like, I don't know, a number of days. You feel like every day, maybe, maybe not, you'll tear off your own facial flesh and then it happens and you go, oh, Oh, I feel better now. (laughs) Oh, thank God. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you, dear baby Jesus, <laughs> for blessing me with a uterus that sheds its lining that's, once a month. It's wonderful. Oh, how scientific. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for taking that journey on um, general reactions. And I'm like, well, that seems like a really good segue into stray observations. I know. All it? of my general reactions are also kind of stray observations. It's tough. I got fashion notes this week, though. Oh. I feel like we're always railing on poor Mary Jo, but she had a really nice little yellow number in yeah, this she looks good in a mustard. She looks really good. It's something with the hair. It's the reds and the pales. Let yeah. me tell you why I know. Oh. <laughs> I'm a really so familiar with the coloration. <laughs> yeah. I'll also say Julia has a very signature style. And it's not just the pencil skirts. It's this belt. 
Oh, she's a million of them. Every, mm-hmm. and so I've tried Googling to see if that was a specific style or a specific or designer. I guess it must have been something specific they were putting her in. Um, so anyway, I wanted to mention that. Yeah. It's like a cross, it's like a crossover belt situation. Hopefully we can share on social media. So I'm not just showing you pictures that mean yeah. nothing to people. It would be crazy not to address the costumes. The wedding costumes. They oh. didn't call them wedding outfits or like whatever. Wedding costumes. They weren't giving you vibes. They were giving me vibes. Oh. Very specific vibes. Very specific vibes. Really? What? Were... I see cupcakes. I don't know what you see. It makes me think of Steel Magnolias. Oh, dang. But this would have been My too McCullough's soon. a blush and bashful. Yeah, but it's of the same time period. Yeah. Okay. So I think this is 88. Mm-hmm. That's right. Still Magnolia's 89. That's right. So, and they would have been filming in 88 for oh. an 89 movie. Oh, So dang. all I could hear was Julia Roberts saying, My colors are blush and bashful. And all I could hear was Sally Field saying, Her colors are pink and pink. Yep. That's mm, all. Good point. So. What about Anthony's pimp outfit? <laughs> I loved it. I do too. I, I think, think it's, it's delightful. A, it's very fun. Do you know what's funny though? This might have been a funnier joke. Hold on. Uh-oh. First of all, the reason we're calling it a pimp outfit. Oh, that's what they said. Because that's in the what show. Julia did. Yeah. Go on. Uh, sorry about that. Do any pimps? That's what she called it. Um, <laughs> I think this joke would have been funnier, maybe, of the time. Can we just clip you saying, sorry, pimp? <laughs> sorry about that. For all the pimps listening to our show. Um, I didn't realize like this was such a joke because this is what I thought suits looked like in the 80s. Uh, yeah, but like early 80s, I think, too. Yeah. No, I don't know that. I see this is 70s. It in late 80s. I don't know what yeah. they were wearing as tuxedos in the late 80s, to be honest. Yeah. So everything before like my high school prom, which is really my frame of reference for tuxedos. Yeah. Looks like that. I can tell you that. Let's see. I think my uncle would have graduated high school in 85. So, and I've seen his senior prom pictures a number of times. And he was basically wearing that same one, but in like a baby powder blue. Baby blue. That's what you my dad it. wore to his wedding. Yeah. So like mid-80s, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but it feels like maybe the tide was turning in the late 80s. And okay. maybe that's part of the joke here. Yeah. But I honestly don't know. I it, just took away from it. I was supposed to laugh. Yes. <laughs> that's not what he should have looked like. Yes. I think that's fair. What do you have in strays? I only have one more. I have... A few stray observations about the B plot. So, and again, it's a question because that's all I do is ask questions. Maybe I answer them sometimes, maybe I don't. But why did this plot line get paired with Bernice's plot line? And then my answer would be it's also a question, but it's could the title be LBT's comment on marriage generally? Getting married and eating dirt. Oh. Oh, dang. I don't know. Not that I don't think, from everything I've read, it has nothing to do with how I think she feels about her husband. That's what I was just processing. They're super in love, right? Really That's happy. all I've ever read about. It's just that they are this perfect couple, for mm. whatever that means. Um, but, like, there was just something about that. Maybe that's her general comment on marriage itself. And I was just wondering. Because otherwise, like, why put these two together? Why now? And why that title? Anyways, so I don't have an answer, but I'm just generally proposing, I guess. I have no answer for you. Did you say that you had another stray or that was it? I do. Tell me about it. Charlene says Bernice is always sending them little gifts and health tips and entering them in contests. Mm-hmm. I need more. I need to know what the gifts are. 
I need to know what the health tips are. I need to know what kind of contests. I, watching this show, did not have, every time they bring Bernice in, I'm always surprised by how close the women feel to her because they do not portray them as that close Mm. the rest of Mm -hmm. the time. So that was something like, you can weave that into any episode and I will watch it gladly. I would love to see them get a a fax, I don't know, a phone call from Bernice, where she's saying she entered them into some sort of contest. Yeah, I wonder if they were, like, trying to lay the groundwork, maybe, for future episodes. Maybe. Or just, like, that general, like, like absurdity, like, fun absurdity. They, I, don't I don't know. They always, so every episode with Bernice, and I'm thinking about the, the one where she was in the beauty pageant, swirling and twirling with sadness in the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they make a few comments the ladies do about, like, how they're all Bernice has in the world and how she thinks of them like her daughters. There was something very similar said in that episode. Right. And it but just. she was, like, playing them. Sure, Which right. Great. It just strikes me that it never they never seem that close until she's back in the episode and then suddenly like we don't hear even about Bernice in the background. Well, you know, we've talked about this before and I think this is just sitcoms. Yeah. Like Louis Grizzard. Will we ever hear from him or see him again? Right. No. But if he was to come back on the screen, by goodness, we would hear about how all they do is talk about him all the time. Right. Yeah. And I, as always, I know nothing about writing a TV show. I know nothing about maintaining a TV show. So this is not a judgment. Yeah. It's just I love Bernice and I'd love to hear more of her. I I mean, hey, maybe what you're stumbling onto is some fan fiction. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> well, we'll need something to do after we're done. <laughs> we're doing so little. I do have one more stray as well. Uh huh. Suzanne, in this episode, her hair. Looks super different. I'm showing Nikki a oh. picture. Uh-huh. Um, it looks really different, like deflated. It's, it does. It's not 80s big hair. That was my first thing, so I just want to share that. This is something else. <clears throat> Memo for Selena. <laughs> maybe put this on social media that week so people can see, or maybe folks just go watch the episode, whichever. Um, but that just looked really different to me. And then I also... She's noticeably the only one not in a bridesmaid's dress. Mm-hmm. I am wondering if this is related to Delta's off-screen weight gain. It does seem like the way they deal with, not, not that Delta was pregnant, but it does feel like the way they deal with pregnant women mm-hmm. um, is to just like put them in way oversized clothes or like they draped it, had it laying over her. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I thought it just kind of struck me as weird. I saw that they were using the PMS thing as an excuse that she just didn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. It didn't even necessarily bother me. I just think um, in terms of the way that it played out in the episode, um, it didn't distract me. I think just as the show goes on and the conversations that we're having, it's hard to not think about those things. And I also just want to real quickly say that, like, Delta Burke is a living person. Mm. <laughs> And I think we, I think I just want everyone to hear and understand and know that Nikki and I never want to do or say anything that would ever hurt anyone's feelings or disrespect them. So when we talk about this, it is very much so in the vein of this is sort of what was going on in the world of the show, in the world right outside of the show. Mm -hmm. And then also to just say, I think, and I, if I'm going to quickly speak for you here. Okay. (laughs) 
we're not okay with any body shaming. No, never. We're not okay with, I think that's, I think that's the reason I'm going to eventually feel very passionate about speaking about it is because I cannot believe what we do to women's bodies in the media. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe we do it to them. Yeah. And I think it would be a stand for me and you to talk about it in this space and here to say, shame on you, anyone who talks about women's bodies and makes it that way. So ours is very much through that lens mm -hmm. and not through this fascination lens of like, oh, let's explore this woman's body. Right. Yeah. So I just felt like I, we needed to take a quick... I'm try as you're talking, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the end of season one. I did sort of a deep dive a little bit into what happened with Delta Burke. Uh, not because we were ready to cover it at that point in time, but because it was relevant, maybe. Her relationship with. LBT. Mm, her husband. No, sorry. You're right. You're yeah. right. That's what it was. And it I was don't the know extra why sugar on that one. escaping me right now. And now because you've said it, it's going to escape me. You know, Dash. But yeah, her marriage, Gerald McCraney. Thank you. That's right. Thank Good you job. for that. So I ended up doing a deep dive on her. And it's also interesting, the media still does crappy things to women, for sure. Mm -hmm. But even um, looking back through the lens of what I'm used to seeing, some of that coverage was like mind-blowing how it felt appropriate in the mainstream media to talk about her body. Right. Even dating back, like I watched the Britney Spears documentary, one of the documentaries a few months ago and I remember seeing this coverage as a teenager and that was just the way we talked about people yeah. and watching it now I'm like why was that okay right. and so it's these moments in time where you actually see progress when the world feels like it's not progressing there is progress because there's a lot that they used to say in the media that we don't it's not okay anymore mm -hmm. there's new things there's always new things but it is sort of mind-blowing how how and at some point we will discuss it in more detail um but yeah I hear you. So, strays. <laughs> I'm done it. with strays. Right. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, some things that we liked. I think you really liked this one. I, I actually did like it. So mm -hmm. I have I had two things I liked. One, Bernice. <laughs> Just give me a Bernice plot line anytime. But yep. it's funny. I actually liked the B plot. However, you're making me rethink that. Why was it paired with this one? That's a good point. Yeah, it was. It's not. I don't know. It just. It's not, nothing was terrible. It's just, it, it left me with questions. Yeah. It left me wondering. Or like, it's that thing we've talked about before. Could we have shifted it and spent more time with Bernice? Oh, <laughs> uh, and see what I liked about it was, I like this idea of Southern representation on a national program. Yeah. And that was a relevant way to talk about, I think what, LBT might have thought were wild myths about the South. And again, we'll get into the fact that it's really not that crazy. Um, but it wasn't part of her South. So she was trying to say, like, you guys have this outsized view of what we're like and this caricature of what we're like in the South, and we're not. And it was just kind of a cool way of working into the show. Now, why it was part of this particular episode, I don't know. That's a really yeah. great question. Yeah. But I actually liked that idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and And, yeah, I mean, so... I do, I do love any time that we get to deep dive into something that's Southern. I feel like, for me, maybe it's because you're doing it in Extra Sugar. I didn't really feel like I got to look at it all that closely. Yeah. Um, and maybe I would have been, like, more excited about it in the moment if I was also looking, like, really closely at um, this specific topic of what they were bringing up in the media. Oh, I don't know time. that that would have made you more excited about it. I guess we'll find out. I, th I think you've made a great point. Like, it just seems irrelevant to this episode. It feels like it could have been maybe differently placed. I was going to say better, but again, I don't want to judge. What do I know? What do we know? But it could have been more relevant maybe in another episode. Yeah. But 
liked the I liked it. Yeah. Um, and there are some other things I'll talk about that why it did work for me. Um, mine is also Bernice. It, She's just tops, right? Well, I have good grief, Bernice. Alice Ghostly's delivery is so good that it never gets old hearing her get confused or lost in her own sentences or stories. Um, it's so amazing. Like, she's this goofball, but she is still so, like... Sharp. And, like, I, I'm not looking at her, like... I look at her, like, comic relief, but not like I feel sorry for her or, like, it's some sort of, like, indictment on old age. Like, I, I think she's still super sharp. She's just quirky. Maybe even cunning sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which and is fun. Isn't that an amazing character to have developed and, like... It's just cool. Well, and, and and not that LBT doesn't have wonderful words on a page, but it's Alice Ghostly who brings oh, that for to sure. life, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it is. I like. I notice that with the show all the time. Another character I think who does that and gets sidelined a lot is Anthony. Yeah, like he brings those uh, words to life a lot too, in like in a way that I feel like only he can. Mm-hmm. Um, so can I share a couple things with you that I really love that she did? If you must, if you must. <laughs> So her asking uh, the gang to be flower girls and not bridesmaids. Yes. I just love that. <laughs> that sure. was really Why funny. not? You know? Whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, this line just about killed me. She says, Ev isn't very interested in sex, and, and neither am I, because quite frankly, I think some things get old after a while, especially if you've been the one on the bottom for the last 40 years. Telling the person on top how great they are. First of all, how do they go away with that line I in 1988? That. I thought about that. <laughs> uh, you know, not that I care. I, you know, neither one of us are pearl clutchers. I was just like, oh my gosh, that's really actually kind of cool that they got away with that. Yeah. And I wonder if it had been any other character. I don't know we would have. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Or so, something got past them, I think. I watched this episode probably two times preparing for this recording and then one time before like in my preview I laughed at that that line every time yeah her again her delivery is so funny yeah. and like that this uh, an experienced woman speaking I guess <laughs> it's just I don't know and it's just so straight to the point and yeah. matter of I don't know it's just great um then she when she forgives Ev towards the end for this fake proposal she says you couldn't help it. I mean, if you're nuts. And then she tosses this look back to all the rest of the women that is amazing. <laughs> like, again, we talk about good face work sometimes, yeah. but that facial expre- expression was priceless. It's kind of like, can you guys believe this? Like, can you guys believe how crazy this guy is? <laughs> yeah. And with just like no concept or understanding that, yeah, <laughs> and that they're twins. Uh, I also had the, I just really liked the bridesmaids dresses because they were giving me still Magnolia vibes. Yeah. So I wanted to be clear that that was a like for me. What else did you have in likes? That's what I had. Okay. I had uh, one more thing. And this is where it connects back to the B plot. And what I really liked was Ev, including with just him generally. I did like him. Yeah. I thought he was. For such a small character, I thought they did a nice, that actor did a nice job developing that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked it when he tells Julia. So Julia goes off on the reporter's poor assistant, which I felt really terrible about. Like that whole, when we get that whole runner about food, which is great. But she says, but he says that she almost had it, but she talked too long. Yeah. And you got to keep it short and sweet. And I just love that. Yeah, that was and great. Ev, come around. Tell me that sometimes. <laughs> uh, what we didn't like? Yeah. What didn't you like? Um, I, I just have one thing. 
I think everyone was being a little dramatic about being in Bernice's wedding. I, I didn't I kinda didn't like that. Yeah. So what? It's one day in a dress fitting. Yeah. And she's so darn nice about everything. She brags on them. We're pretty sure she loves them. <laughs> like why yeah. why? Why the big deal? Charlene is like our, our resident angel because she like took over planning the wedding. She was she was kind of I think she reminded them a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Like she thinks of us like her children. This is the least we can do. Come on, guys. Yeah. Or so like, she was your, your conscience speaking out loud for the cast. And Mary Jo, I kind of understood, but I'm like, oh, what? I'm sorry, Julia and Suzanne. What do y'all have going on? Well, Suzanne had PMS. Um, Julia had some really funny lines, like um, where she says, I think we've dispensed with all um, semblance of pride of personal appearance or whatever. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really funny, but like, almost like a misfire given the dress that she was wearing. It really wasn't that bad in the grand scheme of bridesmaid dresses. Like I think everybody has a story of someone they know that got put in lime green or something, you know, I'm sure my bridesmaids looking back on it now are kind of like, dang, I had to pay for that. That's the only time I'm ever going to wear that. It really wasn't that bad. I hear you. Every bridesmaid thinks, dang, I had to pay for that. I don't care if you liked it or not. I've never been a bridesmaid. You've Always never a, been bride, a bridesmaid, never a bridesmaid. Well, that's so I don't know. different. <laughs> that's a different I twist know. on that saying. I know. It says something about You've me. You've never been a bridesmaid. I have another friend who's in the same situation. <laughs> and we... Um... I feel like we need an extra sugar on this. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I feel like 27 dresses. <laughs> well, that's just how popular you are. Well, that's definitely I think it says something true. about me. I feel like there's probably there's probably a psychological thing there something we should explore. If I think about it too long, my self-esteem goes down. So I'm going to refocus on the fact that I just hated that Bernice didn't get her fairy tale. Yeah. I'm with you. That was my one didn't like about this one. Okay. So you get it. I get it. You I do. It. I see what I can see the under, like the, the writer's choice not to do it, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I feel like she could have just. No, I got to say something before we move on. Uh-huh. No, I absolutely have to say something. It is a, a missed opportunity that someone hasn't had you at a, as a bridesmaid. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you. That's a missed flipping opportunity. I appreciate that. Uh, because you would be a phenomenal bridesmaid. So it's a sore spot. You'd be for really me. on it. You'd be really on it. It's a sore spot for me. I do think that uh, when we like timing has a lot to do with it, and mm-hmm. like when we got married. Um, I also th- I had a very small bridal party, and I think sometimes the bridesmaid thing becomes like a you did this and now exactly you, it does. Yeah, I just had I drew names out of a hat. Oh yeah, because I couldn't. It's, it was too. It was too much pressure. It's why my um, I I chose my two best friends from high school and my sister, um, because I couldn't pick sorority sisters. I couldn't pick one over the other. I couldn't make someone feel more important than the it's other. Tough. But I also couldn't have a dozen bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I appreciate you saying that. Though. Well, I just it felt like you needed to hear that. I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to skip over it. It makes me feel very self conscious that I've never been a bridesmaid. It really does. I have a friend who's never been one either. Yeah. Um, similar situation. We're very similar lives. And we've joked before that we need to have second weddings so that we can be each other's bridesmaids. Just yeah. so we can have that experience. Yeah. It feel it does feel like something I've missed out on. We'll talk off here. Yep. <laughs> okay. I say that with a grain of salt. Part uh, of it sounds terrible. Uh, uh, well, hmm? <laughs> Ratings? Let's do rate this sucker, shall we? We shall. <laughs> oh. Oh, look, it's my turn. I don't have a rating scale. Do you have one? Can I steal it? Yes. I have a rating, but not a scale. 
you can have my scale. It's nonsensical Bernice fiascos. Oh, wonderful. I gave it five out of five. Ooh. I went all in. Just a it, Bernice. Yeah. She's the highlight for me. That's just, that's all I have to say. I thought her, her lines are so funny. Her delivery is so funny. The whole, the, I had issues with the plot, but whatever. It was great. I liked yeah. it. I gave it a 3.3 out of 5. Dang. Gosh. But all You must that, not like Alice Ghostly. No. God bless her. Because soul. every single bit that I gave it was really to Bernice and Ev. Yeah. They got all of my 3.3. Yeah. Um, I just think they're both great. Um, but aside from loving to spend time with Bernice, I, I'm just not, I just didn't, I wasn't sure I understood the purpose of this episode. It's another one where I feel like we started or we wind up in the end where we started nothing changes none of our characters grew i just i i, I didn't understand i didn't understand the purpose and when that happens it i'm always gonna like score it a little lower mm, i get that um so i've got news what's the news okay so we were like we we're spinning out a little bit on the first three episodes oh. because we wanted to say like who won the episode but we didn't know what to call that. Mm-hmm. We don't want to just say who won the episode. That's boring. Anybody could do that. Yeah. Well, you came up with something brilliant, which is... I wouldn't call it brilliant. Well, sometimes I'm afraid it's accidentally going to sound sexual. Uh-oh. I thought about that, to be honest. But that will make me laugh, and so I'm fine with it. <laughs> so, from now on, when someone wins the episode... They are the people who buttered our biscuits. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And I think that voice really helps. I think it does. <laughs> yes. And then if they lost the episode, then they served us lumpy gravy. Oh, the worst. That Don't is the be worst. serving me lumpy flour-filled gravy. Get out of here with that. Oh, yeah. And raw flour will make you sick. It will. So. It'll kill you. And we don't want to be Probably. sick. Mm-mm. Well, I, actually, I think it can get you salmonella. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, tuberculosis. <laughs> I'm not good with the medical things. I mean, I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. I think I can, it can get you sick. Okay. It could kill you. Sal- I mean, it's salmonella. Is that meat? What did I say? You said salmonella. Okay, I said botulism. Good. Botulism's from dented cans. <laughs> well, we'll it that- doesn't what matter is that you don't eat raw flour, you don't eat dented cans. Does it matter what the condition is? In really? my mind, it does not. It yeah. does not. Or, because it be... Or either I'm eating raw flour and dented cans all the time. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, not the can itself. Let it go, Selena. So, who butted your biscuit? Uh, the ladies, because they got their dinner comped by the loony men right there at the end of the episode. Oh. That really just feels nice. like uh, someone who, who really won. Yeah, they won. I want a free dinner. I always want a free dinner. That's always. A good time. Mm-hmm. Every time. Um, mine was Bernice. She's dating. She has a good friend from the retirement community who looks after her. Yeah. Um, and she's getting a free meal. So we both found the free meal. The free meal. <laughs> That's what it's oh, all about. And she doesn't even have to go in a dumb looking dress. Oh, yeah. I got a picture of her dress, too. It was, it's fine. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it, was, it wasn't the pink fluffy cupcake dress. That's true. Dresses. It wasn't. And matching three other people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So who served, who served us lumpy gravy this time? It's a tie for me. It was either poor Ev. Okay. He'll never know the love of a woman as good as Bernice. Oh. That's yeah. real sad. Yeah. And or 
Jackson Weeks, the reporter, because he got that brief earful from Julia right before he left for the day. Like the whole thing was he was getting ready to leave the office. What a crappy way to end your day. Ding, ding, ding. I think we have a winner. Mm, yeah. I also have Jackson Weeks. Yeah. I also have because he's got Julia chasing him down, leaving him ranty messages, and then telling him to kick rocks at the tail end of his day, which means I think we had some symbiosis there. Yep. All right. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> How about some 80s things? I just have the one, the VHS VCR situation when Bernice and Anthony arrive at Sugar Bakers and he's showing the video of Ev. Indeed, it's very pre-DVR. Yes. Um, I had reading the physical newspaper, which happens throughout the episode. Yeah. They're just always getting out the old ink Poppy holder. A. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Wait, what did you say? Papier. <laughs> Man, that's fancy. Um, making a call from a landline to the New York Times. Oh, good point. Yeah. Again, I'm going to say those bridesmaids' dresses. Mm-hmm. That peptol, peptol, the Pepto-Bismol pink and tulle. I mean, woo. Nicely. That is peptol. Huh? Pepto-Bismol plus tulle. Peptol. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then calling administrative assistant secretaries, oh. which we've talked about before. Mm. It's a different era. Southern things. Uh, there was an Elvis mention at the top of the episode, a reference to the fact that he may still be alive. Mm-hmm. Charlene was reading a book called Is Elvis Really Dead? As far as I can tell, that's not a real book. Um, but I did find a book published in 1991 called Dead Elvis, A Chronicle of a Cultural Obsession. Oh. Which is about this, like, conspiracy about whether he's dead or alive. Mm. Uh, Dirt eating in the South. I'm just going to put it here, put a pin in it, because we're going to come back to it in extra sugar. Uh, Julia left her number for the newspaper editor, and it started with a 404. This has happened a couple of times. That is an Atlanta area code. Mm, mm -hmm. And just, like, every one of Ev's sayings. It was the dangest thing I ever read. Yes, sir. Well, I don't rightly know. A little long on drywall, a little short on studs, and I like you a right smart. Yeah. I want to use that one more. I like you a right smart. Yeah. Fits with the overalls I'm wearing today. I feel like I should be standing like this. I like you a right smart, Selena. And then you can really like, it's like a thinking spot. Yeah, right. To hold them. Yeah. Yeah. Hold the overalls. My overalls are my whole personality now, guys. It's just a thing. Get get with it. (laughs) That's all I have. I had... um, Is it a Southern transition to start a sentence with, I mean... Because I feel like I do it all the time. I mean, I feel like there was a lot of that going on. And I'm just wondering, is that that a Southern thing that we rely on that? Does everybody do it? But I've just noticed it a lot lately, like in in the show. And I was like, huh, maybe that's that's something that we do. We're so used to being misunderstood. We have to start with, I I mean. mean. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Did you say better look at? Mm -mm. Okay. No. So that was... I think that was uh, Suzanne talking. Mm. Maybe. I usually try and write it down. I didn't hear. Doesn't matter. Anyways, better looking. That just sounded really Southern to me. The food runner that you mentioned at the beginning. Grits, biscuits, gravy, all of that. Mm. Um, And then, so Suzanne says, talking about Julia, that she would wind up sounding like some old loony drunken debutante left over from the Civil War. Oh. If she called the New York Times about the article mm-hmm. and then there's also a couple more civil war references that get um linked in there as well delightful so it's always the best uh, references that we need to talk about i'd like a, the space dog 
I'm so glad that you looked into that because I realized on rewatch this morning to get prepared for today that I missed that one. Well, the, um, what do you call them? Captions. The captioned website that I look at to look at the script called it Latka. So I was looking up Latka, the space dog. Which is potatoes, right? Yes. Okay. And it won't take you very far when you're looking for a space dog. Um, Latka. Yeah, I'm like, what did you find out about the potatoes? <laughs> Latka is a stray Soviet dog that was sent into low orbit in 1957. Uh, the first animal to orbit the Earth and one of the first sent into space. The first sent into space were fruit flies, and they were recovered, uh, and a rhesus monkey who died on impact after a parachute failure. Uh, Laika was actually a little bit of a controversy because there were no plans made for her survival, and she likely died, this is a dog, likely died of asphyxiation or overheating just hours into her flight. Russian officials Mm -hmm. unveiled a monument in her honor in 2008. So an interesting point, I just mentioned a little controversy. What's interesting is actually, even though there were no plans made for her survival um, or retrieval, it really didn't spark uh, conversation about ethics in like animal testing because it was overshadowed by the U.S.-Soviet space race. Uh, So everybody sort of looked another direction. Also a different time for animals, yeah? Right. Yeah, but I think uh, it sparked some conversation kind of late. Yeah, maybe as the conversation shifted in culture and society. Uh, that's why they unveiled that uh, statue for her later. Because mm-hmm. without her, there were, I guess, I don't know much about the space race and all that, but she was important is the bottom line. Yeah. So that was thing one. Mm, I'm sorry. Thing two, another dead person, Judge Crater. Yeah. Uh, a New York State Supreme Court justice who went missing in the 30s. What an old reference, even in the 80s, no? This is, Julia's, like, famous for these, right? Her and Hal Holbrook are just always talking about the 30s. It's old for them. I don't remember when they were born. She was born in the 30s. Oh, okay. I'm almost almost sure. She died in her 60s. It was, like, in the early to mid-2000s. Okay. I'm almost sure 30s. He may be a little bit old. Well, he just passed last year, and he was, like, 92. Yeah. I don't do math. Anyway, Judge Crater was related to a political scandal. Mm-hmm. I ended up reading about it. I'm not bringing it all here, uh, but it's interesting. Selena's bringing it here. Go for it, Selena. Well, I do. <laughs> I just want to say that it is really interesting, um, and that we could link to an article if people want to look closer at it. I think it's again just like one. Of, I find that corruption in that time period so interesting for a few reasons. One is that. People really like to say, gosh, I just wish we could return to the good old days. And I would just like to say, samesies. Not samesies to good old days. But it's just a different time period. That's it. Like, they were just wearing fedoras, and they were still pieces of crap out there. So I don't understand what we're talking about when we say that. That's all. That's just my little... This one was very specific to New York, and I'm not sure very many people want to return to the good old days of New York. I think corruption in New York is pretty widely known. No? That's true. That's true. But also here. we Everywhere. Good old boy networks yeah. is a real thing, right? Yeah. So I just, again, I just say, what are you talking about? The days that were good for them. Um, And people like them. It also, like, and it is, but like, it, talking about that corruption, his disappearance winds up being a downfall, uh, or a factor in the downfall of Tammany Hall. What's a New York City political organization that lasted for nearly two centuries and had its, like, stronghold over New York? So I think that's kind of important. I saw Tammany Hall, and I was like, hmm, I feel like I learned that at some point in time. Uh, 
I don't need to relearn that. You really do. Like, I think I think I learned that in, like, fourth grade. Yeah. That and Boss Tweed. I will never forget Boss Tweed. Boss Tweed. I don't know that How one. do you? Oh, really? Yeah. He was just, like, a really corrupt political figure. Yeah. Um, okay. And so the only other thing I wanted to bring up, because I just think this is super weird, okay? So... 75 years after this guy disappears. I don't know if you ran across this or in your research or not. So it seems like there was a break in the case. It's like widely reported on in the news. I think this is like an 05 era, something like that, when a letter from a recently deceased woman surfaces. And it claims that her late husband, who was an NYPD cop, and his brother were responsible for Crater's death. And he's like buried somewhere under the current site of the New York City Aquarium. There's no follow-up. No one ever reported on it that I could find to say like, and yes, it's true. Or like, we found the body or we substantiated the letters true. There was no outcome. It was just like, we possibly found the body. Dead silence. Mm. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, maybe. There's someone who went missing in the 30s. They got bigger issues. They they can't go excavate the New York City Aquarium foundation i guess it just they're just waiting till like, they raise it and it, then they'll give it a once over it just felt like such a like dead end to something that like for whatever just reason gonna, they felt that why yeah. would you bring it all up if you're not going to see it through yeah that's true Ugh. so anyways that bothered me all right selena did you want to talk about cut lines though any that stood out for you yes uh Right after Julia says you can find people doing stupid things everywhere, but before Mary Jo tells her to go after the paper, this was cut. Um, You know, if the Atlanta Constitution printed an article like this saying that dirt eating was on the upswing in New York, why they would be the laughingstock of the South. No one would believe that New Yorkers eat dirt. That's right. But if the Times says Southerners do it, then it must be true. Mm, You betcha. And there's a picture right here of Buford and Eula May having a little after dinner claw just to prove it. Who are Buford and Eula May? They're, they're just names I used to make a point, Charlene. Oh, good. Because I was going to say, you know, Buford, Eula May, Judge Crater, Lack of the... Lack of... Lack of... Lack of... I don't know. Lack of the Russian space dog. How come I don't know any of these people? You know, I really don't believe that it's the people in New York's fault, though. It's the paper that makes a big deal out of it. So all that was cut. I have three points to make here. Okay. One, what a big comment on North-South perception in media that was just cut from the episode. Mm. Like, there was a whole conversation in there. That would have been a lot for us to talk about. Right. Uh, it, a throwback to the early conversation in the episode about people Charlene doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of or us, in. right? <laughs> right. Now we do. Right. Uh, and then someone at the end, I'm thinking it's our resident savant Suzanne. I think it's her. Makes a great point about the press deciding what should be important and what's a big deal. And I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind in our current environment. She says, you know, I really don't think it's the people in New York's fault, though. It's the paper that makes a big deal out of it. Could be Charlene that says it. Anyway, someone is making the point that it's not the people. It's what the press is choosing to filter to us. Mm-hmm. Three points about that. Mm. After Bernice says Ev is just like he seems and Charlene says he doesn't talk, uh, this was said. Not much. That's why they call him dead Ev. Um, and then Anthony says he'll go out and unload the truck. I'm just bringing that up because it felt like a tiny bit more character development for Ev. Mm. Not much. Like a smidge. Uh, and then you mentioned this earlier when Ev tells Julia she has to keep her message short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Suzanne says, and then Suzanne says, "Ha, Julia, that'll be the day." Uh, this was cut. Suzanne, I can be succinct when the occasion rises. Ha, this I'd like to see. Just a little foreshadowing for what's going to happen later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, there was a lot this time. 
On the note of foreshadowing, when Julia finally does talk to Jackson, she has to tell him that his secretary took her whole note and tells him to read it. She says she'll wait while he does. That's what leads her to say she knows his time is valuable. Mm. So there's a little bit of a cut there. Okay. So that's all I got in cut lines. Uh, so next episode? Yeah. Episode five. This I feel like this is a really big one for you, Selena. Big Hoss and Little Falsy. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> So as always, we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Our email address is sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And our website is sweetteatv.com. And that's where you can find information about our Patreon uh, if you'd like to support the show. And hang tight for extra sugar. I'm going to allude to the dirt eating reference. But we're actually going to play a game. Grits oh. Blitz style. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh -oh. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what that means. What does it mean, Selena? Well, one, it probably means I'm about to lose a game. And two, it means we're about to see you around the bend. Bye. Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. This week, we're going to latch on to that bee in Julia's bonnet about news articles about Southerners eating dirt. So we talked about this in the main episode. It's really funny I ended up with this segment because the idea of eating dirt gives me the heebie-jeebies. Mm -hmm. And you had suggested something when we were planning about doing a segment on eating dirt, and I put my foot down hard. Mm -hmm. and was like, yeah, no, that's gross. Um, there is a core memory buried in my brain somewhere. I'm t I told you earlier, it's a TV show or a movie or something. The person had to eat dirt. Uh, it just freaks me out. So we had decided we were going to make this segment about Southern myths. Mm -hmm. But I feel like to move forward, I have to, I have to face my fear. And I have to first move backwards and touch on that New York Times article <laughs> okay. that upset Julia so much. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to get into an interactive, non-dirt-related bit of the segment. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah. I think you're going to do great. Sure. I'm going to have you do a little word association. Oh, boy. Uh, so as always, feel free to pop in along the way if you have questions. Okay. I may or may not have answers. Perfect. But I'm going to do the best I can. All right. So I actually traced back a couple of New York Times articles that LBT actually may have had in mind when she wrote this episode. Um, the authors, the name of the authors were both different than... Jackson Weeks, which was the name of the reporter. Uh, that shouldn't be surprising, but I felt like I needed to mention that. It was Pax and Peaks. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, also, notably, Julia said it something like, um, you know, every couple of years they'll dust off a story about Southerners eating dirt. It actually seems kind of true. In the, like, like I think the first article I found was 84. The second one was 86. So it does feel like it's on a little bit of a cycle. Every couple of years the New York Times would um, – write an article about this. Yeah. Uh, I also found a more recent NPR article about the practice of dirt eating. It was from 2014, uh, which was reported, uh, the article was written in support of a documentary about dirt eating. Mm -hmm. So I'll link to all that too. Uh, so back to those New York Times articles. After reading them, I'd say, <laughs> did the coverage possibly oversell how common dirt eating was at the time? Probably. Um, but they both offered some pretty good evidence that some people, um, at that time at least in the South, did eat clay. 
It feels like an important distinction. Um, they sometimes use the word dirt and clay interchangeably, but I get the sense it's an important distinction that it's actually clay they're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to caveat all this with, I took a physical geography class in college. That doesn't make me a scientist. So mm -hmm. I'm just throwing it out there that um, I think it's clay. Okay. Um, and it, so then the articles also shared some of the cultural roots of this practice. So here are a couple high points. Dirt eating has a name. It's called geophagy. Geophagy? I don't know. Uh, it happens among cultures on every inhabited continent. Uh, it may be done because dirt provides critical nutrients and can help fight digestive issues, including nausea. Hmm. It's actually common among pregnant dirt eaters for this reason. Which is like picos? Excuse me? Like, I thought, like, uh, there was a name for it, like, eating dirt or, like, raw ground beef and stuff. Peak. Oh, I, I might know this. Yeah, and I could probably be tossing in some inaccurate medical information, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, dirt eating, pregnancy, got it. So for the 1984 article, they interviewed a specific woman named Fanny, who shared how she does, in fact, eat dirt. Uh, and she also had very discerning dirt eating taste as do others who eat dirt. I think this is where the clay hmm. thing comes into um, okay. effect. So they described, in one of the articles, they described a specific hill on which one day a medical anthropologist studying the phenomenon found three cars lined up to gather dirt. It was a preferred spot among those who lived in the area. And I think this was Mississippi. I might not have mentioned that. I think it was Mississippi. Okay. Uh, toward the end of one of the articles, they talked about the health effects. Um, the 1984 one quoted a local doctor who shared that of the women he treats who eat dirt, only one has ever experienced significant health effects, and it was a clogged colon. That's a lot of dirt. Mm-hmm. I think that was the point. Yeah. Um, too much of anything is too much of something, that's right? That's correct. Okay. Everything in moderation. But yeah, so in general, it sounds like um, there are people in certain pockets of the South of, of cultures all around the world mm -hmm. who have developed this um, habit of eating dirt and they have their preferred locations. Um, Fanny, I think, was the one that described um, very in-depth, like the taste of it, how she prefers it, how she prefers to gather it. There yeah. was a little bit mentioned about how they'll like bottle it up and send it to family members who have moved to other parts of the country. Yeah. I, it doesn't seem that weird to me. It seems weird to me because of my the own spot stuff. Do. Oh, okay. Like, this, that's just kind of funny to me. Only because, like, too, like, um, I, I just thinking about, it, something about it is sounding very much like today how it's so in vogue, like, single source coffee. And, like, oh, you know uh -huh. what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, you know, I think certain things, like, I'm thinking about the things you grow in dirt. Mm -hmm. But you grow in a kind of dirt, and it's going to make the product taste different. Right. So yeah. it does sort of make sense then. Right. So I think here's where we get to the rest of the segment, yeah. which is a little bit different. It's a little bit of a shift from dirt eating, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I thought about this segment a lot. I found myself coming back to it over several days because what I really wanted to do was tackle pervasive myths about quote-unquote weird Southern cultural practices in the media, mm -hmm. which is directly in the wheelhouse of our podcast, directly related to this episode. But dang it, people eat dirt. Yeah. And it has deep cultural roots. It is something that people in these communities have developed over time. It's a taste they've developed. They even have their preferences. And then as I thought about it more, Julia, and I guess in turn LBT, because she wrote the episode, their offense at those New York Times articles was almost, in a way, more stigmatizing than the articles themselves. I can see that, yeah. Because I thought the articles were actually pretty balanced on the whole. 
Okay. I felt like they spoke to the actual stories of actual people who do it. Can I provide some feedback sure. about what I thought? Yeah. Just that, why is this news? Mm. That's it. Like, it's, it's interesting. Fine. Well, I guess like anthropology kind of train of mind, but it's just not like when I think about news about something being like of a certain time and like highly relevant and all that, like it doesn't feel like it's highly relevant for like New York Times readers necessarily to hear about. Like it doesn't necessarily feel timely. Like, it wasn't, like, there wasn't, like, something happening in the dirt-eating community. You know what I'm saying? Well, see, I think features are not always the That's most. That's true. And I imagine Absolutely. this is a, fe- I can't remember if this was a feature. Right. But, like, something that you don't think happens often. And to put out an article that says, actually, people do this. This yeah. is something you wouldn't think of as the norm, but people do Unique. it. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it, like, but that's where I get to the balanced part. Because it's not like they're saying redneck southerners are out eating dirt. They're right. saying this is, like, it has cultural roots. It happens in every inhabited continent, which I think was actually in one of the articles. Um, so actually, it was a little bit stigmatizing that LBT was so offended by it. Because mm-hmm. it might not have been part of her South, but it was part of someone's South. I think that's a very interesting perspective. So what I didn't want to do was to focus on weird little Southern myths yeah. that are actually real parts of people's lives. Also, we know talking about myths kind of perpetuates them. <laughs> there you go. Whoopsie. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> <laughs> so with all that in mind, I thought maybe instead we could focus on micro traditions in the South. Okay. So things that happen maybe in little pockets, um, things that may not be part of our traditional part of the South, but are parts of other parts of the South. And now you're going to see if I know anything. I want to see if you... Yeah. I'm like, I know nothing. Yep. Come at me. <laughs> so it's this idea that the South is not a monolith. So what we mm. do in metro Atlanta may be different than what they do in the low country or what they do in the Mississippi Delta, which is different than what they do in the Creole community in Louisiana. I love it. Uh, Except for being tested on it. I, I think you're going to do great. <laughs> I really think you're going to do great. Okay. Uh, so I think we're going to take a chance, highlight some of these micro traditions. We'll talk about their history. The interactive portion is where you're going to do word association. Okay. So I'll give you a word or a phrase, and you just tell me what comes to mind. I okay. don't want you to think about it. I just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind, unless it's you need to self-censor a little bit. I oh don't boy. think you have to do that. I don't think you're going to have to do that. So I just say the first, you're going to say something. I say the first word that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Or a phrase or whatever comes to mind when I say it. Oh, boy. Okay. You okay. ready? So I have three of them. Okay. So are you ready for this edition of... folks she's ready first up porch ceilings blue ah great what i had in mind was indigo blue sometimes called haint blue so i found a taste of home article that says the painted blue porch ceiling started in the american south about 200 years ago the practice traces back to the Gullah Geechee, enslaved people living in the low country of Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. Gullah folklore explains that ghosts, also referred to as haints, were not able to cross water. In order to repel evil spirits from plantations, porch ceilings were painted a soft blue. This color was meant to mimic water in an effort to keep any haints or spirits at bay. The Gullah people made sure to cover all their bases, windows, doors, and shutters were often painted the same color of haint blue. A similarly related tradition is a bottle tree, literally trees made of bottles and yards meant to trap spirits. 
Uh, today, the indigo blue porch ceiling tradition lives on in the low country or coastal regions, mostly of South Carolina, but it's also spread across the country. That You've is seen this so before? cool. Absolutely. And you know, the weird thing is, so um, I've seen it in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And actually, when they were doing our porch out back, they asked us that we wanted to do it blue. I'd so badly want to do mine blue. It's just not the house for it. Yeah. Um, for the very thing that you're saying, it's like it, it looks so good on those beautiful coastal houses. Mm-hmm. But on my very cookie cutter suburban <laughs> home, I don't know it's going to look that. I don't know it would look that great. But like when it looks good, it looks phenomenal. It's so funny, though, because... I didn't get the the Gola tradition, which I think is fascinating. I think what I was told is that it was just supposed to emulate, like, the sky. I, I read that, too. Okay. That is another thing. Well, what you said is way cooler. <laughs> so I will say, I want to mention one thing. Uh-huh. I've only ever heard it called Haint Blue. I've never heard it called Indigo Blue. Um, but in my searching, I found a Gainesville Times article that quoted Queen I might not pronounce this right, and I'm sorry. Queen Quet, the chiefess and head of state of the Gullah Geechee Nation, based in St. Helena Island, South Carolina, who said that people of their culture would never refer to the blue ceiling or doorway as haint blue. Oh, really? She said they use indigo blue. More specifically, she said what it is is that it's a misrepresentation. It came from Anglo people that started calling it haint because they didn't understand the spiritual part of it. So when we hear that, it's offensive to our people and tradition. So she added that she takes pride in seeing ceilings painted blue, knowing that her ancestors contributed to that. Uh, But I think the linguistic mention is important because that's what I've always called it. So I'm going to try from now on to remember to call it indigo blue. And you called it blue. So good for you. Uh, Well, that's because I only knew a little bit. (laughs) So next, your word is horseshoe. Luck. Ah, she's doing great, Selena. Two out of two. Help me. So I'm referring to an upturned horseshoe as a way to keep bad luck away. Okay. Uh, this came up a lot in Southern traditions, but it has its roots in Irish or Celtic culture. This will be interesting to your friends in Ireland. I think it makes hey. sense that there's some crossover with Southern culture because Appalachia was settled by lots and lots of Irish people. Right. Um, So I found an article on southernthing.com that confirmed hanging a horseshoe over a door is a symbol of luck across the South. And they mentioned that how you hang it determines where the luck lands. Specifically, when hung with its ends up over a doorway, you catch good luck for those that live in the house. If you hang it upside down with its ends pointing down, that shares good luck with all that pass through. Personally, I've always heard if you hang it upside down, your luck falls out. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was picturing it like a U. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's holding your luck in. But they're saying you could hold it. You could do it like a what is this? An N kind of mm-hmm. lowercase N, and that showers people with good luck. But I've always been told that's your good luck falling out. Yeah. Maybe it's showering it to other people, and maybe I'm just greedy. It is kind of like an interesting uh, personality study. Yes. <laughs> In terms of the history, I found an article on Wide Open Country that said um, the story of St. Dunstan and the horseshoe varies greatly depending on where you look. But the gist of the story is that in the 10th century, St. Dunstan, a blacksmith at the time, was visited by the devil himself. Sounds great. Who asked him for a horseshoe for himself. So Dunstan used iron nails to secure a red hot horseshoe tightly on one of his hooves and the devil howled in pain. 
Uh, the devil begged Dunstan to remove the hot shoe, and he agreed under one condition. The devil must respect the horseshoe and never enter any place where one was hung above the door. Because of this, people believed the horseshoe could keep evil spirits and bad luck out of their homes and thus bring in, or keep in, good fortune. That's interesting. And that's that's the Irish. That's the Irish, yep. Okay. Um, and I don't remember if you specifically mentioned this in Graceland when you did the extra sugar on Graceland, uh, but Elvis was a big fan of horseshoes. Oh, I did not mention that. Um, so much so he wore a gold horseshoe ring for good luck. He liked jewelry. He liked jewelry. <laughs> so there's that one. All Ooh. right. Last one. Okay. What do you think of when I say boiled? Peanuts. Oh my gosh. You killed it this time, Selena. That's right. Bold penis. Uh-huh. Uh, what? Boiled peanuts. Pe- what are you hearing? Nuts. <laughs> okay. Boiled peanuts. A massive Southern tradition. And something I think you might have even mentioned in episode one of the season when we talked about our Florida memories yeah. um, being like a roadside staple. Yeah. Not for me, but people like them. I just had some a couple of weekends ago. <laughs> you love them, yeah? I do. Yeah. I do. I told you I'm a bad Southerner. That's what I bring to the table. A lot. lot <laughs> I think they're polarizing. I don't think you, again, the South is not a monolith. I'm the only Southerner I can think of who doesn't like boiled peanuts. My mom said she likes them. They're just really messy. Um, That's understandable. So I found an article on the National Peanut Board's website that said boiled peanuts are called the caviar of the South. Incidentally, I've also heard, I think, pimento cheese called the caviar of the South. Yes. So take that for what you will. It also feels like we don't have an understanding of what caviar is. Yeah, we don't know what caviar is. What do we know? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Uh, the piece goes on to say no one knows exactly when Southerners started boiling peanuts, but it went on to share some, I feel like I have to enunciate every time. Perfect. It went on to share some historical context clues for when they may have come about, starting in the colonial days. They note that peanuts were first brought to America by slaves from Africa and that boiling likely started there. Then during the Civil War, there's evidence that even when food was scarce for Confederate soldiers, peanuts were available and easy to carry. They would roast or boil them over campfires and add salt to preserve them. It shared that the first boiled peanut recipe was published in 1899, and there's evidence that boys were selling them as a snack for five cents a bag by 1925 in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So there you have it. It was a little bit of a detour from where I started planning and like dirt eating. But I hope that wasn't too painful for you. I love it. I love the idea of giving credit where credit's due, uh, highlighting traditions that some of these things for us are so like normal and just like boiled peanuts. It doesn't even occur to me people haven't even tried them before. Oh, right. But it's a thing. I mean, so I have to, there were no steaks. I'm sorry? No steaks. Oh, oh, shoot. S-T-A-K-E-S. I know. I'm hungry, so I, I went to well, steaks. S-T-E-A-K-E-S. I was like, oh, is Which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. There were no steaks. Oh, Since well. I did well. Oh, well. <laughs> another day, another Were there any other Southern traditions you would have liked me to have covered? Oh, that's... Bigger question than you can answer right I, now. I really... No, I don't have anything that's like, how could she not cover this? I think the ones that you cover were really interesting. And I think, again, just showing... Um, these traditions that came from other places that were brought here, I th- I think is one of the most interesting things that we can talk about Yeah, when it comes to things like that. So Well, good. I loved it. Glad you loved it. If anyone thinks of anything that I should have covered, let me know, because we could always do this again. I love quizzing Selena. Uh, but that has been this week's edition of Extra Sugar. <laughs>